Before we begin, I'd just like to remind you that this episode is also available as a video. So if you'd like to check out myself and Andy in all our uh, glory, then head over to youtube.com forward slash at Pottywood. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of our Pottywood Shorts. I am one of your co-hosts, Steve Hester, and joining me on the other side of the screen, stuffing a load of cheese into his mouth is... My stomach started rumbling right before we like hit record, so I needed to really go. loudly as well. Yeah, <laughs> and grab some cheese. It's it's one of the mornings, and we're actually recording during the morning. But I am Andrew oh. Roger Carson. Uh, I am the co-host of the show, writer, director, author, writer of the bicycle, whatever. No, you're just a massive scene stealer. And speaking of scenes. This week, we decided that we were going to do something a little bit different. Now, we reached out to the community on, uh, what was the name of that website? Was it Facebook? Yeah, it's something like something. that. I didn't catch on. Yeah, just it's some popular little, now. little niche website. And we wanted you, our Pottywood fans, to tell us what was your favorite or most influential scenes in movies now as you can imagine this is a hell of a long list so this may even get us split up into two parts or even more depending on how quickly we get through these um sure. but uh yeah we've got some absolute stonkers on here and uh we're going to be starting with true romance so our first choice of the show comes from mike djf so very very Thanks, Mike. Uh, so this is the, the Sicilian speech featuring Christopher Walken and Dennis Hopper butting heads. Very intense uh, scene in the first half of the film. Um, and it, why does this deserve to be on here? I think when it comes down with true romance, I mean, this scene, when you look at that entire film, and it is an amazing film, it really is a great film. Um, this is the one scene that everyone remembers when you look at true romance. And it is the the acting heavyweight scene. A lot of people will say that the diner scene from Heat is uh, one of the most iconic of two major powerhouse actors, but this runs a close second. I think it's yeah. a very good choice to throw out there. I, I I'd say if anything, the diner scene in Heat is very very it, it's very very low intensity. It's like a lot of yeah. it is very, very low and smoldering, whereas a lot of this, you can feel it being very, very close to the surface. And there's that wonderful shot where Walken is laughing at everything that Hopper's been saying. And as Walken turns around, you can just see Hopper's face just drop. He knows he's dead. Yeah. He, he knows at that particular moment, the moment that he sat down in front of him, that he was dead. There was nothing that he could do to stop that. And, no. and it is a case up. of, it is a case of, you know, intimidation and just accepting fate and just throwing you know everything into getting one dig as you are leaving yeah uh props to, to both actors i would love to have seen how many takes they ran of that but i would fully believe they did it all in one i think it's uh -huh. kind of solidified with this scene and i have seen countless movies that have ripped like little mentions of, of this scene from true romance whether mm -hmm. it be in dialogue the vendetta kind of mood you know it's a scene that has influenced a lot of filmmakers going forward if they want a real verbal boxing match uh, yeah. during a scene. And uh, speaking of verbal, it's time to move on to our next one, which is also um, a nod from Mike DJF. And this is the lineup from The Usual Suspects, Brilliant. directed by uh, 
the the man who shall not be named. Um, and and this is this is kind of a little unusual one because of it was supposed to be played very very straight originally, wasn't it? Yes. And then, according to the the rumor mill, Benicio del Toro kept on farting. Yes, <laughs> which um, then uh... threw everybody off going forward. And yeah. uh, I I think it's it's a very very wonderful it it's very very human reaction to what's going on in the room, and it it sets up these characters quite nicely, and them all having just this this breakdown. Like you kind of see ju- just from this, what well, is basically an outtake. And yeah. should have been an outtake for the entire <laughs> thing that they just decided to keep in the movie. And it, it did, as you say, flesh these characters out. And I think without that scene, it would all be, you know, very stoic and combative. This is kind of one scene yeah. where they are all kind of in the same, well, it's a quite phrase, all in the same room together. Yeah. And it's it i always think it's nice if you see a performer on stage and they're corpsing and the audience gets involved and goes along with the joke and if you know about the fact that it is someone passing gas you can go along with the joke as well yeah it's like the uh the elevator fart scene in police academy 5 which is probably the best joke in the entire movie it's probably the only joke in the entire movie Right, well, let's rattle on with these because we've got one more before um, we hear from your selection. Uh, and this is one which I know is very, very close to your heart. It's the movie Heat. Yes. Uh, it is the street shootout following the uh, the robbery. And this comes courtesy of Timothy Conroy and Wayne Tarbuck. So thank you very much, guys. Um, yeah. Now, I saw this with you at the Printworks. Yes. Uh, sorry, not the print works. It was another th- uh, another cinema in Manchester, um, and it was uh, it was a special showing. I don't know if it was the anniversary of the movie or what, but I went along and I saw it for the first time with you. I, I, I thought it was a fantastic movie, and this is a linchpin of the whole thing. And I was quite surprised that it wasn't the the final act, but this gets so intense. Oh yeah, that I'm glad you got to see that in the theater uh, with great sound yeah. because that scene, the sound is just incredible. Yeah. And I've actually walked down that street and uh, absolutely loved it. And I can imagine the chaos of setting a scene like that up. I mean, it's one of the busiest streets in downtown LA for starters. It is amazing that Val Kilmer um, really knew how to shoot. You know, he'd, uh, really impressed the people at the weapons training by being able to uh, quickly reload those magazines as fast as he could to the fact that even Marines, <laughs> Marine instructors were looking at their guys saying, why don't you do it that fast? Yeah. I can imagine that the, the audio mix at Warner brothers, they were doing on that, their ears must've been ringing when they walked out of that room. I did that with um, Godzilla X Kong. Uh, Richard Mirish brought me along to basically get my ears blasted out mm. Uh, during a scene uh, while they were doing the audio mix on Godzilla X Kong, the new empire, which is due to be released next month, I believe. End of next I month. think so. Yeah. It's fairly uh, soon. Yeah. And, uh, Oh my God. I, I didn't have a headache, but my ears took a while to recover that day. Mm-hmm. I'll give, put it that way. Yeah. But yeah. I, I fully agree with, with heat. The shootout is possibly one of the best shootout scenes 
uh, in a movie. It has been used in stuff like Grand Theft Auto and things like that since, I believe. Yeah, yeah, there was a big set piece towards the end of uh, GTA V. Uh, one of the options that you could choose was to do like a direct attack on a bank, which then leads to a street-by-street uh, -street war of attrition, basically, um, before you can escape. And it's very, very similar to this, and they, they set it up in a very, very similar way. So yeah, it's it's a hugely influential film for a number of reasons, but the the shootout probably yeah, it's a really really good, really really good place to start. As a really good choice, uh, Timothy Conroy, incredible artist by the way, Timothy Conroy, and Wayne Salbuck was a friend of mine from high school. So uh, bye guys. Good on you, Wayne. <laughs> right. So what do you have on your list? Okay, uh, for starters, we're gonna start off uh, Canadian actor by the name of Rye Barrett. Right, we want to get you on the show, dude. We've, we've got to get you on uh, because you came up with a couple of beauties here. And we're going to start off with Quint's monologue in Jaws. Oh, the US Indianapolis. Yes. Yes. I mean, possibly one of uh, Spielberg's crowning achievements as a scene, able to hold together with just these three characters and specifically uh, Robert Shaw. Uh, yeah. with tremendous talent. Uh, and it, one of the biggest losses in Hollywood when he passed. The the scene is absolutely stolen. You're completely you're completely correct in the way that it just shifts from this sea shanty and the 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 slightly drunken joyousness of it all to this very very intense monologue that he has. It's it's wonderful. It's mastery of both performance, script writing, and directing. It's yeah, and the 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 fleshing out of that Quint character who you see as just a you know, kind of a bolshy, uh, kind of jokey character and stuff mm. like that. And the way it does it is beautiful because you're envisioning in your head this story that he is telling you that makes it terrifying, you know. Scary as hell, yeah. Scary as hell story. Uh, they don't rely on the flashbacks. You're just using this image in your head of this incredibly detailed story. Um, fantastic character focus, love it. Ryan actually tossed a few out, so the next one here, I think you'll also agree with. Uh, he states, uh, the blood test scene from John Carpenter's The Thing, <laughs> yeah, hell of an impressive special effect, and a really, really intense moment in the movie as well. Oh, yeah, it's, it's yeah. The strange thing is, is every time I watch the thing, I keep forgetting who the people infected are in that scene mm. <laughs> until it actually happens. And I think that that's a mastery uh, of um, storytelling. It's so tense. It really is such a tense scene. And then as soon as it happens, that's it. It's all chaos. All hell breaks loose, yeah. Um, but the, the lead up to it, yet again, it's very, very simple. There's, there's no music. There's just, okay, this is what we got. We got the blood vial, and it's a needle. And every time the needle goes close, you could feel the tension ratcheting up and then releasing. And it's that ratchet and release that ultimately builds to a point. And then when it when it explodes out the dish, which is a fantastic prosthetic effect, it completely takes you apart. And then, like you say, all hell just crashes loose. It's a wonder, wonderful scene. Uh, and also I have, um, oh, if I get this freaking name wrong, he's going to kill me. Right. Yerno Feo. Okay, and that's a, apologies if I got it wrong. Uh, 
he says uh, the diner scene from David Lynch's Mulholland Drive. Okay, you're going to have to take Liz on this one because I haven't seen Mulholland Drive. A lot of people would probably have gone with some various scenes from Blue Velvet, but I'm so glad that Mulholland Drive actually did get the mention here. It is a popular favorite of um, David Lynch. A I, lot of I people would, flag it. I would probably say it's it, it's one of his more accessible ones. I think it's a good choice. It's a very well acted scene. Good choice, Jan. Okay, for my next lot, we're going on to some uh, rather disturbing, sickening, and some quite bloodthirsty territory. So if you are in, in any way slightly squeamish, just kind of skip forward a few minutes and catch up with the rest of the show. And um, what disturbing individual could possibly have come up with all of these choices? Well, the first disturbing individual is the same as the second, is the same as the third. So I'm detecting a little bit of a pattern going on here, but thank you very much, Nick Richards, for these three. Um, That's what you get from a former art teacher. We have Emerging from the Poop Tube, which is a wonderful way of you putting it on the list, uh, from the Shawshank Redemption. Or to put it another way, it's Andy Dufresne's Escape. Um so leading up from the years of abuse he, he finally manages to escape and there's this proper baptismal moment that yes. he goes through where he emerges out after being covered in all this filth and the rain washes himself clean and it is just the the capper on this incredible movie which has been voted probably the number one favorite movie of all time on IMDb for the last I don't know, 20 years or so. Yeah, it was a major flop when it was released. Yeah, yeah. And the it, studio it was... didn't even promote it that much. It was, it practically nearly got sold to cable TV. Yeah. Stephen King novel, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what was the, uh, the, the uh, Rita Hayward and the Shawshank Redemption? I think that yes. was what it was originally called. Yeah, yeah. But there's this incredible moment where he finally manages to realize his dream and just stands there in the rain. And the music swells, and then you've got the the scene the scene just beforehand where the pebble goes through the the poster and he puts his finger in and it just yeah. looks like he's doing something horrible. <laughs> um, on a on a side note, the the actor that plays the warden is the same actor who stood in for the late Harold Ramis when they did uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Bob Gunson. Yes. Yes. Um, I'd actually say. Uh, I mean, I agree. It's hard not to agree with the Shawshank Redemption. I do prefer the uh, the opera over the radio scene in mm. Shawshank Redemption. I, I think that's just a a beautiful moment of that film and, and should go down in history. But good choice, Nick. Yeah, yeah. It's a wonderful scene of release for a number of reasons. <laughs> uh, right, so next one from Nick, and this is one... You okay, Andy? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, good. That way called it the poop tube um right this is the beach landing from steven spielberg's saving private ryan it is it is 15 minutes more or less of blood and shrapnel and sand and guts and just all kinds of horrible war stuff that is just going on around you and what makes this even tougher a watch is unlike the other movies that we've got on our list, 
this is based on reality. This is based on fact. This is based on the hardships that our grandparents or great-grandparents or great-great-grandparents, depending on how old you are, went through during the storming of the Normandy beaches. And it's insane to think of, of that actually happening, but it did. Yeah. Horrifying. Uh, Absolutely. I remember seeing it for the first time. I didn't go to cinemas to see this, unfortunately. Uh, I did go and see The Thin Red Line, which was the other World War II movie that's coming out that year. Mm. It was more excitement on Terrence Malick and the sheer scope of the cast that they had involved in that movie. Yeah. Um, and it, it is a regret because Saving Private Ryan is um, it's among my favourite movies. Uh, but I agree that first beach landing scene, it's horrifying. It's on so many levels. Blood and bodies than you'll see in probably any movie. It's it's not even the blood and the guts. It's the the very very basic human factor of you were looking at hundreds of men who are probably no more older than their mid twenties who are absolutely terrified beyond any kind of comprehension. And the the standout moment is that that wounded soldier on the beach with his guts hanging out, which we can't show on YouTube because we would get demonetized, no. who's screaming for his mum. Uh, I thought you'd bring that up. Yeah, that yeah. is that is the hardest part. But um, on another side note, though, Steven Spielberg did help uh, Infinity Ward uh, get created, and Infinity Ward created Medal of Honor, and the first game was very much about, not realistically a spin-off, but it was trying to echo a lot of the, the scenes that yes. showed up, including the Normandy Beach landings. So, Yes, I was, I was going to bring that up myself. Yeah. Good good choice, Nick. Very good yes. choice. Yes. Very good choice. And finally, this one is uh well well it, it this could be real. It it depends on whether or not you approach this from a historical point of view or a religious point of view or whatever. Um Can I do every chance of meatballs. No, actually it's Monster House. Ah. Ah. Uh you no, know. it's the it's the Passion of the Christ. It's the flogging scene, which Ooh. even if even if you're not a religious person, even if you're a complete and total atheist, this is not an easy scene to watch in the slightest. It is brutal. It is graphic. It is painful on so many levels. And it's, it is heart-wrenching to watch. Yeah. Um, it, it, I think that's what everyone kind of remembers about the movie. I mean, I... I was not a fan of the movie. It just didn't do it any for me. It's not on a religious standpoint. It was just a case of, you know, it, it just wasn't a movie that really pulled me in. No. Uh, and I think it, it could have been just the brouhaha of it around the time because everyone was talking about it and controversy around it and the fact that Jim Caviezel got struck by lightning <laughs> during the movie. Yeah, uh, which, Mel Mel Gibson was going through his slide, his, his downslide into crazy anti-Semitism and alcoholism and all yes. the rest of it. And regret he bought that tape recorder. I'll admit, from an emotional standpoint, I can imagine that that would affect a lot of people. Um, I'm on the side, it's like, okay, possibly a bit of overkill. Um, but, yeah. you know, it, it's a manipulative, if anything, uh, I can see a lot of people saying that the scene would be very manipulative of your audience. But um, uh, I can understand why a lot of people would put that scene in there. Yeah. Uh, if it had that emotional effect. But me, you know, I'm 
you know, I, I'm not a religious person through and through, so it probably would affect me less. Yeah, I, th- I think that's probably a good point. Next up, we've got more yours, Andy. Okay. Well, this one comes from uh, one of my producing partners, uh, documentary producer Esther Cassidy over in New York. Hi, Hi Esther. Esther. Um, th- this one took me out of left field. I didn't think she would choose this one, but she did. Uh, and she chose Get Away From Her, You Bitch, from James Cameron's Aliens. Such One a of the greatest moments in feminist cinema. Mm-hmm. And absolutely earned as well. Yes. Looking at the way that the character was treated in the first movie and then leading on to the second movie and her change from being so scared to go back out yeah, to to then slipping back into this mother role, if you've seen the extended cut, you'll know what I'm talking about. And, yes. then, and then realizing that everything can be taken away again and just the moment that she steps out, it's not necessarily... Um, a scene which is directly designed to appeal to feminists. It's the scene that's directly appealed to anyone. Yeah, um, you know, I think this made uh, Sigourney Weaver the first female Hollywood action hero uh, with this performance alone. And I think when you can use that line as your tagline for the movie, you know, and then yeah. you've got the bitches back <laughs> for yeah. uh, Alien 3, Um it is unreal how iconic that scene really is. And I think if you had to choose one line of dialogue out of Sigourney Weaver's very impressive resume, get away from her, you bitch, would be at the number one spot. I think so, yeah. And it also proves that you can do a feminist story without having to just completely bury everything else. Yes. So. Fantastic movie. Yes. Very good choice, Esther. Say hi to Rob for me. Um, Okay, coming up next, we have another producer. Uh, This producer is uh, Rana Joy Glickman, a friend of mine and Tommy Hinckley's. And uh, I met her just last year for the first time in LA. And she commented that the uh, faking the orgasm scene in When Harry Met Sally... Okay, well, we had some fairly dour stuff in my last segment, so it's good that we're having a bit of a laugh with this one. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Rob Rainer. Apparently, this was this was mostly improvised. Is that right? I can believe that it was mostly imp- improvised. Um, this is probably Meg Ryan's standout moment of her entire career. And that place is... Oh, what the hell is it called? I've forgotten the name of the place, something deli, Cat's Deli in okay. New York. Uh, and apparently everyone wants to sit at that table, but I want to know how many people have faked an orgasm at that table. I want to know how many people live next door to her and Dennis Quaid and with their going, she sounds nothing like that. Oh, she's faking tonight. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, um, fantastic moment. A uh, very good um moment for women's cinema as well i'll say because that, that entire movie yeah. is a is a fantastic movie about you know opposites attract and can two people be friends without like sex and romance getting in the way and it, it still holds up to this year and that scene is still hilarious and then obviously you get rob reiner's mother coming out with the killer line i'll have what she's having she's having 
I think that line as well, that has gone down in the same kind of level as get away from her, you bitch. Everybody yeah. is familiar with that line and just puts it to everything. And funny enough, that, that scene is, has also been ripped off so many times. I saw it in some British comedy show. And even WWE did a, a spoof of it with Kurt Angle and Christy Hemming uh, as a promotion for WrestleMania Goes Hollywood. So that scene is iconic. Okay, coming up next. Oh, it's one of our Partywood guests. Can you believe? So Kate Nichols, fantastic actress. Uh, Hi, all Kate. the way over in, uh, where is she? Do you remember where she is? No. Bulgaria, Steve, Bulgaria. Bulgaria. But uh, she actually, oh, we're, we're returning for Heat this one. She has actually put the diner scene from Heat. Okay. Well, yeah, like I said earlier, I think it's a much more low-key affair than the uh, than than the than the other diner scene that you mentioned. And it's it is nice seeing these two Hollywood icons on screen together for the first time. And arguably what might should have been the last time if you've seen Righteous Kill. Uh and the their scenes together in the Irishman didn't exactly elicit the same kind of response. Um, but for, for one shining moment, you know, this was the scene, you know, and this was probably in the top 10, I'd say, of most polls for um, greatest scenes, as well as greatest performance in a scene. It is a very cat and mouse conversation. But at the same time, it's two rivals, you know, two people on opposite ends of the law, but you can just see that. They, they have would, respect for each other, don't they? They have respect for each other, but you could almost believe these two would be friends if yes. not on those sides of the law. They have a very real, like, friendly chemistry. You know, they're, they're cracking smiles at each other for this verbal dueling that they're doing. And it's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful scene. And the only way it's been made embarrassing is when Tom Hiddleston uh, did the impression of the scene in front of Robert De Niro and Graham Norton. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like, oh, you're finding out, Tom. You're finding out. Um, and in case you're wondering, this is not the first time that this scene was ever made. It was oh. also in LA Takedown as well, which was uh, Michael Mann's previous effort to get the story made. And it was uh, flattest delivery from a guy called Scott Plank. Okay, well, that is a wrap on part one of what you think are the best scenes in movies. So you can hop onto our socials down below if you've got any more suggestions that you think that we should be talking about. But if not, then I want you to join me and Andy for part two, which will be coming soon. Oh, and don't forget our Patreon page. I know we were. It will be. Uh, but for now, though, it is a goodbye from me. And I'll catch you soon. <laughs>